Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Volkman ischemic contracture found under the MSK section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 50-year-old man presents to his physician's office two months after he was treated for compartment syndrome in his forearm. He reports having difficulty using his hands. Physical exam demonstrates that his right fingers and wrist are flexed into a claw-like contracture. He is referred for surgical correction. Let's continue with an introduction to Volkman ischemic contracture. Clinically, it is defined as a claw-like deformity of the hands with permanent shortening of the forearm muscles, resulting from ischemia and necrosis of the forearm muscles. In terms of the demographics, this commonly affects adults. Risk factors include compartment syndrome, supracondylar humerus fracture, crush injuries, and bleeding disorders. In terms of the pathogenesis, this is due to ischemia and necrosis of the forearm muscles, which may occur from obstruction of the brachial artery due to compartment syndrome or a restrictive cast. It may also be due to a fracture of the forearm bones causing bleeding from the major blood vessels. This results in scarring, stiffening, and shortening of the forearm muscles causing the contracture. Moving on to the presentation, symptoms will include an inability to extend the fingers or wrist or open the hand. On exam, one may note a flexion contracture of several or all fingers. The wrist may also be involved. The patient may have a decrease in sensation. There may be pain with passive extension of the fingers or wrist, and the patient may be unable to passively extend the fingers or wrist fully. And when making the diagnosis, remember that most cases are clinically diagnosed. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about pseudo-Volkman contracture, with distinguishing factors being that this presents primarily in children and the forearm muscles are a normal length. In terms of treatment, conservative options include physical and occupational therapy. This is indicated for all patients. Operative options include surgical treatment. This is indicated to restore the function of the hand. And lastly, complications related to Volkman ischemic contracture include permanent contracture of the hands. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Volkman ischemic contracture, let's walk through a question to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For this question, consider the following clinical scenario. A five-year-old boy presents to the emergency department following an ATV accident in which he sustained a supracondylar humerus fracture. The fracture was reduced and a plaster cast was molded firmly to the arm. The child returns to clinic two weeks later, where he is found to have a flexion contracture of the hand at the wrist. Passive extension of his fingers is extremely painful. What is the primary mechanism that caused this deformity? And the answer choices are, choice one, ulnar nerve injury. Choice two, radial nerve injury. Choice three, median nerve injury. Choice four, obstruction of the brachial artery. Or choice five, obstruction of the axillary artery. The best answer to this question is, choice four, obstruction of the brachial artery. This child is suffering from a Volkmann's contracture secondary to obstruction of the brachial artery, most likely caused by improper, tight application of the plaster cast to stabilize his supracondylar fracture. 
Volkmann's ischemic contracture results from acute ischemic necrosis of the forearm flexors, especially the flexor digitorum profundus and flexor pollicis longus. This injury results in a permanent flexor contraction of the wrist and deformity of the hand and fingers. First described by Dr. Richard von Volkmann, this contracture was found to be independent of nerve injury because it manifested at the same time as paralysis. The publication by Mubarak and Carroll reviews Volkmann's contracture in children, pointing out that supracondylar fractures of the elbow resulting in Volkmann's contracture frequently have both an arterial injury and compartment syndrome. The publication by Hovius and Yulti presents guidance on the prevention and treatment of Volkmann's contracture, reporting that optimal treatment depends largely on proper evaluation of the extent of pathology. They affirm that the most important measures concerning Volkmann's ischemic contracture are attempts to prevent the contracture from developing with simply monitoring or immediate repair of high-risk injuries and compartment syndromes. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choices 1 through 3. Volkmann's contracture forms independently of nerve injuries, although ulnar neuropathy can sometimes present with a claw-like deformity. Choice 5. Axillary artery compression or obstruction is not the etiology of Volkmann's contracture. That's all for this review about Volkmann ischemic contracture. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.